Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 13th Man Podcast. It's Shane alongside Frankie, and today's going to be a very interesting episode. We have Dave Naylor from TSN, CFL Insider, coming on around 8 p.m. Eastern, so you will want to stay around for that. We'll be talking about this XFL, CFL, and much more on this episode. And honestly, we'll kick it off with with some NFL talk. Uh, Frankie's Bills have had an interesting signing today, signing former, what, second overall pick from the Bears, Mitchell or Mitch Trubinsky, as a backup behind Josh Allen. I Honestly, you said you were happy about it. I was kind of surprised. Look, this, honestly, Shane, I don't know if I said this on a show or not, but I had been big on the backup quarterback spot needs an upgrade because I absolutely... I'm not comfortable with Matt Barkley in any stretch of, you know, we need to win a game here. Let's, and, and Josh Allen's hurt or, you know, can't play for whatever reason. Um, if Matt Barkley's going out there, you're not winning a thing. And I, I don't think that Mitch Trubisky is, is the best quarterback available by any stretch. Right. I think you'd be, you know, kind of dumb, quite frankly, to think that, but that being said, I think I think Mitch Trubisky is actually a solid option as a backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, personally, I like Trubisky. I think he ha- he can be a good backup quarterback. I don't think he's a starter by any stretch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought it was stupid that people even had him as a top three quarterback in his draft class. I thought he had one subpar decent year at UNC as uh, University of North Carolina as a starter. Uh, I was very surprised he went as high as he did. Uh, But I think if under any team that can kind of mold him in the way they want, I think Buffalo is the perfect spot for him. Well, and I mean, on top of that, I I think Buffalo is a solid spot because of just the scheming. Like, I think that, um, we can like the, I think the bills can make something based on a quarterback strength. We saw that with Josh Allen, where they kind of, you know, found out that he's a little bit more accurate throwing the short passes. So they didn't go to the deep ball as often. And then when they did, it was really good scheming to get someone open. And then when you add a guy like Stefan Diggs, obviously that's going to get better as well. But like, I, I just, I just feel like with Trubisky coming to Buffalo, if he does have to make a spot start here and there, I feel like he's going to be put into a situation where he can he can do things, he can do what he can do good. Like oh, hundred percent. Um, like I mean, I I want to continue just quickly on the Bills as well. Um, their off season so far has been really really good. We haven't had uh, the big splash signings like the Patriots bringing in Janu Smith and Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar and you know all of these other guys. Uh, the Bills right now look like the rumors that they, they were in on Gronk uh, so that we hear. It sounds like they're trying to get Zach Ertz right now as well. Uh, we, we don't know how that's going to go, uh, but that could be a thing that happens. But keeping Matt Milano, Micah Hyde, um, you know, cutting John Brown and, and saving that money, bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, like the things that they have done and bringing back Levi Wallace, mind you, these are all little tiny moves that I think are going to help take them to just to the next step, you know, kind of get more veteran help around Allen, keep that defense intact. You can add pieces to that as you go. Like 
nobody's talking about the Bills as having a really good offseason so far, but I think they have had a really good offseason. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a fair assessment of I think the Bills have had a quiet offseason. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, has basically done nothing. They've allowed Bud Dupree to go, which I'm not surprised about. He's coming off an uh, ACL injury. They're not really sure if he'll be ready for camp. I'm not overly worried about it. Uh, they let a, a Lulu go to, to Jacksonville. There's talk that Juju Smith-Schuster might go to New York with the Jets. Personally, I don't care. I think it's going to be interesting to see what the, the Steelers do. But honestly, the team that I've been watching has been the Arizona Cardinals. They let go. They, they didn't sign Peterson. He went off to uh, Minnesota, signed with the Vikings the other night. But they bring in A.J. Green that with DeAndre Hopkins and – Pretty, is Larry done? I don't. I haven't seen anything about Larry Fitzgerald being done. He, I don't think he's doing one more year. I think. Yeah, I haven't heard anything either way. But if you t- pair him up with Larry Fitz and DeAndre Hopkins, and then you add in, you know, D, uh, JJ Watt on the back end on that defense, it, that that team is going to make some noise in that NFC West conference yeah. next year. Um, another signing I really liked. Um, I, I like the Raiders signing John Brown. I think John Brown has proven with the Bills he can be a good number one receiver if if you need him to be, and I think he can play a different role if you need them to play that role as well. Uh, that's a good signing to replace Aguilar. I think he's he's better than Aguilar too. So that you know that that's a good signing. Uh, unfortunately, you know Buffalo couldn't keep him around because of that money that they had to free up. But that's like that's one of the ones that I look at and I go, you know, that's going to be. One of those those pickups that we talk about later in the season if the Raiders end up making the playoffs somehow. Uh, definitely, especially if he has a good year. Uh, one play, like, Moving on from the NFL, because we are a CFL show and there is CFL news to talk about, uh, between our last episode and this one, there was the comment from Rod Peterson, who we've had on the show. He's a yep. great guy to talk to. Basically calling out fans for not spending money on the Grey Cup fan base and saying that you can love, you say you love the CFL, but when the CFL needs you, you're not willing to fork out the money. I can understand what he's trying to say in this, but I don't think he goes about it the right way. I think, I, 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 I guess, like you said, I see where he's coming from. I think the comment was a little, just a little bit reckless in the way that not everybody had that kind of money to spend at that point in, in the pandemic, right? People were still losing jobs. People were still getting laid off. People hadn't been working for months at that point. If you had the money to spend on it and you wanted to help the CFL out, good on you. Right. Um, If you didn't, and you've been supporting the CFL, like, you know, if if you haven't gone to any games, you haven't bought any merch and you haven't, you know, you didn't put your name on the great cup fan base. I think that's a different story. If you all of a sudden say, yeah, but it's, it's the Canadian game. We have to save the Canadian game because you didn't care before. But if you were, you know, going to games or watching games on TV, you're buying the merchandise and, you know, you just couldn't afford to put your name on the gray cup. That's different to me. You know, if you've been a fan of the CFL through and through and you don't want it to go to American rules and you couldn't afford to do that. Fine. You know, like you should still, you should be listened to. A hundred percent. And I think, my, my real issue with it is that we have a bunch of people who say, oh, they love the Canadian game. But they're the same ones that don't go to university games. They don't go to junior football games in their city. You know, there, there's more than just CFL football if you're a Canadian football fan. You know, you talk about how, oh, we love the Canadian game. We have to save the Canadian game. 
the Canadian game starts at the grassroots levels. The Canadian game, like the grassroots levels aren't playing four down football with American rules. They're playing Canadian rules. Kids are growing up playing Canadian rules. If you want to really support Canadian football, support universities, support, you know, your, your local, uh, amateur team. If you're in Ottawa, go support your local McAfee team or your local OPFL team or your junior or the junior team in the, the CJFL, like volunteer your time. You don't need it. Like, I think the, and I think this is a common misconception in all sports. You need a kid to help out. And if you don't have a kid in the sport, you look kind of weird helping out amateur sports. I think that's something across all sports that that's a problem. If you're not an official, and you're helping out a team, if you don't have a kid part of that team, you're kind of looked at differently. And rightfully or wrongfully, that, that's a completely different question. But I think it's wrong because we need as much help as we can get. If you love the game, go out, volunteer, become a coach. Register to be a coach. Do the background check. Get the certification. Go work at your local you know, amateur league team and be a coach. Don't like Volunteer, you know three hours, four hours of your week to youth football, and you'll start to see a change in Canadian football. I think, to like, for people like me who don't have the nitty-gritty football knowledge to go be a football coach and call plays, right? Like, something, like, I haven't had time necessarily to go out and, and go to GG's or Ravens games or anything like that yet. That's something I'm planning on doing. Like, I want to go watch those games. I want to you know, go see some of the guys that are going to end up in the CFL in a couple of years. Like that's something that I'm interested in doing. Um, but like we had that conversation last week about how much we'll be willing to bend to keep football around. Right. I think at some point like we're going to have this conversation with Dave tonight, but at some point we're going to have to be willing to bend if, if we cannot sustain a fan base of Canadian rules football. Yeah. And, I, and it's unfortunate because I think, you started to see people, even Americans, being like, the Canadian game is a better game. If you, you know, play to play, yard to yard, game to game, outside of the production, take away all the production value that the that the media market like put into it, the game itself is a better game. And we just saw it. There, the NFL just got a hundred and thirteen billion dollar TV contract, paying more per single game than the CFL's TV contract till 2023, yep. according to, to Justin Dunn. 2023 will be $40 million a game, whereas the CFL makes $40 million for the whole season. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I don't think that the answer to the CFL's woes are American rules. I really don't. But right now, I, I the current model isn't, isn't the answer either. So something's got to give if that's – joining with the XFL and, and playing hybrid rules or joining with the XFL and, uh, you know, maybe it, you go full-on American rules. Maybe you stay with Canadian rules. Who knows? But if one of those can be the answer, I think you'd be stupid not to try it. In my opinion, I think if you if you do another four-down football league, it's done within two years. This I don't, I don't see – like, you're going to have, what, a third Ameri- – like, a third version of American football into that market – you already have the NCAA. You already have the NFL. Like, you need something different to attract fans. I agree with fans saying that you know four down football in the NFL isn't going to work because it, the market's already saturated as it is. Yeah, I'll be honest with you though, Shane. Um, 
I think the people that are saying that they'd be completely out for the most part, if you know, we adopt American rules, I think they're full of it. I really do. I, I, mean, I, I believe, I believe that if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders played four down football game tomorrow, the stadium would still be packed. I firmly believe. That. I don't think so. Maybe Toronto, but I don't see Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan no, is like rich heritage. I do not see Saskatchewan fans jumping on board. Personally, I find the NFL boring, which is why I watch maybe, you know, one, two games a week. I'll watch my Steelers depending on, you know, how the game, like how they're doing. And I don't call myself the biggest NFL fan. I don't really care much for NFL football because I find it boring. I find the games ridiculous. I find the officiating horrible. The The pace of the game is slow. It's dull. It should not take you four hours to play a football game. Uh -huh. they, like there's too many commercials. So personally, if the CFL were to go to NFL rules, go to American rules and try to be this NFL 2.0, I would stop watching it. I, cause I do not have, I would not invest my time in that kind of product because I, in my opinion, it would be boring. Like I, I invested a couple of games into the XFL and I thought it was a lot more fun mm -hmm. than the NFL. I thought yep. I'll, I'll watch NCAA I'll watch a full day of Saturday football in NCAA than I will of a full day of NFL football. And I will say, too, nobody's suggesting that this has to be completely rip off of the NFL rules. Nobody's saying the 20-second play clock has to go away. Nobody's saying the waggle has to go away. Nobody's saying that, you know, some of those things that we love about the CFL have to be gone, like the halo on, on kickoffs and punts and all that. That stuff can stay and still play four-down football. But my my issue is it's not four down football. Like CFL football does not work, in my opinion, in four downs. So because you're not going to see as high octane. Like the the big factor of the CFL are these big plays, these chunk yep. yard plays, because you only have two downs to get a first down. In so my opinion, if you were to add a third down, it would it would kind of push the game back. It would. You would have a lot of you know intermediate quick throws. You wouldn't have these fifty-yard bombs down the sideline as you already do. Do we really think that if the XFL sold people on the three-point conversion, they can't sell people on a more high-octane, higher focus on the pass, bigger play style of football with three downs? Oh, they easily because could. I think one hundred percent they could sell that to them easily. I think you could sell. Like in my opinion, there's a lot of there's a lot of rules in the XFL that I like. I hated the kickoff rule because I don't think, especially in the Canadian game, the, the the kickoff is as dangerous as it is in four down football in the American game. But I would love to see the third down from 15 yards kind of conversion in the CFL. I think that'd make it so much more interesting. Like the XFL was built on these funky, weird rules. To think that all of a sudden they're going to change it and go to Full on NFL rules, I think is is just it's just not going to happen, right? No, I, but I, I, I can't I see. The, it. I think the four downs is really what pe like is really what's going to get people because even if you watch the XFL, they didn't have these big rant like big yardage uh, plays. They mm -hmm. they didn't. It was a lot of you know most throws were ten to fifteen yards. You didn't really have much that was. 20 plus yard throws on a consistent basis. You may have, you know, I think I, I watched one game early, like before they shut down and they was like five throws before, like during the game that were 25 yards plus before reception. And it's like, to me, that's what makes the CFL great is that you can have, like have these chunk plays easily. 
Like, you don't have the Hail Marys the same way that you do in the CFL that you have in the NFL. How we won it off a Hail Mary. You wouldn't get that in, in, in four-down football. Yeah. Well, I th- there's there's definitely going to be changes. Like, we know that. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just a matter been, of how much. Yeah, we've been told to brace for change. So, if, if you want to be all out on football in this country because of a couple of changes, uh, I guess, like, that that's your right. Go for it. But the CFL as it stands right now is not going to survive through no, this pandemic I, if it stays in the current business model it's in because uh, oh, 100%. it's screwed right now. But I think it also has a ripple effect, right? It's not just the CFL impacted by their decision. It is like youth sports. It is the amateur ranks. It is the junior ranks. Like If the NHL were to be like, hey, cool, we're going to switch all our ice ranks to hybrid icing or hybrid ice that some European countries have where it's a little bit longer and a little bit wider. That just does not affect the NHL. That affects the AHL, all the the East Coast or or those kind of leagues. It it affects all, like the CHL, the NCAA. It affects everyone. So they can't go out willy-nilly on these moves. And I think that's the thing that people are more frustrated with, especially people who are in the football circles at the minor league level. Well, what, like that's something we're going to talk about today too, as well. With when Dave does get here, uh, like if, if for the people watching, if you do have questions that you'd like to ask Dave Naylor, uh, put them in the comments. We can we can bring stuff up and and uh, ask him the questions you guys want to know. Because like <laughs> this has been our go-to guy for this whole this whole negotiation stuff so far, and uh, like he's been he's been on the ball. So and don't worry, we will be talking about that U. PFA thing that yes. got dropped uh, with, uh, with Dave Naylor uh, coming up after the break. Do we want to? Do we want to touch on that first? What the the our opinion, and then go on break, and then mention it. Yeah, with, uh, Dave? yeah, we can do that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I personally, I'm just kind of disappointed that something like that would get out. I'm I'm more so disappointed in the fact that it picked up any wind. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think that a Twitter account that's unverified has... Like 300-something followers? Yeah, it has 300-something followers. We know who's behind it. We have found that out. It is an ex-CFL player. Let me pull up who it is real quick. Is that like Um, Kendrick Williams the third or the fourth? It is – hold on, I'm looking for it. Um, he did used to play for the Bombers. I know that. Um, it's Kenneth Farrow the second. So we know who's behind it, but we don't know anybody who is in that union whatsoever, right? That union has nothing to do with the CFL at all. And I went on their website, did a little bit of, uh, of looking – I couldn't find anything about what they are when they when they became a thing, what they do. So I, I don't understand how that is something that picked up as much wind as it does to the point where the CFL had to come out with a claim or with a statement saying that's not true. Because you know what, Shane, we could have put that something out like that from the 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 podcast account, and I would hope that you know people wouldn't just go out and believe that. Yeah, I would hope people like. I was very tempted to pull something out, but we have too much of a, a history with players that I didn't want to piss anyone off. Yeah, like 
I, I just, I, yeah, it was disappointing to me to see that that got picked up as a legitimate story because it's an unfounded claim from somebody who otherwise has no reputation of, of being anything reputable at all. Yeah, I don't even think I need, like, I'm going through the followers and it doesn't seem like any current or former CFLers are following this account, which was what I did at first. And I'm like, you have, you have nothing in my opinion. Like I'm not saying, Oh, Anthony Chaffee follows them. That's it. But I'm not saying that we're the most trustworthy source. Like we're not in the no, circles. That's exactly it. Like you wouldn't, if we put out a statement that said, the CFL is going to cancel next season without any sources or anything like that. You wouldn't, you shouldn't believe us. No, not at all. Like you got everyone and we would have, you would have every right to call us out being like, Oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You don't have sources. Like everyone would have a right to call us out. Yeah. I mean, every story that has come out on our site that has something along the lines of season in doubt, or we won't play this season has been attributed to somebody else saying that. Yeah, like we, we, we mark our sources, and when I saw it, I kind of laughed to myself. And I'm like, what got me was it was the 21 and 22 season. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if it was just the 21 season, I could, I, I would be more, like, I would believe it. Like, there'd be a little bit more belief that, okay, we're going to cancel the 21 season. But right now, I do not see there being a, a way to cancel a 2022 season. Pretty sure Mark Goody, the uh, the Mark CEO Gowdy, yeah. of, of the OSEG, basically was like, I feel 90% confident that there will be a season this season. Like, there will be a season this year. Yep, exactly. So who are we going to trust? The CEO of, of the, the organization who owns the CFL team or the union who nobody's ever heard of before? Yeah. I mean – and then you have guys who were part of the league, like Gary Lawless, being like, oh, I think there's going to be a four-down football and it's going to be American rules, but I don't know what it's going to be called. And I'm like, you used to be part of the CFL, but you've been out of it for so long, I don't know how much I trust that. Yeah. So I think uh, I think we'll go to break. Uh, we'll be right back with, uh, with Dave Naylor of TSN uh, when we come back. And we are back. Thank you all for joining us. Again, if you have any questions, let us know in the comments uh, section, and we will definitely pass it on to uh, Dave Naylor when he joins us. Um, and honestly, I'm excited to talk to him. I was very, very happy to get him on. And uh, here is the man of the hour, Dave Naylor himself. Thank you for joining us this evening. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're good. We're uh, we're excited. We're nervous about all this XFL CFL <laughs> merger talk. So you know, we we'll just jump right in. What do you know um, about the talks going on? And is there anything new that we should be expecting in the coming weeks from the the league? Well, I I know these have been going on for a while. Uh, I I don't think we're you know weeks into these. We're months into these. In fact, I could say they go back at least to last summer, around the time that. Uh, Redbird Capital Partners and Danny Garcia and Dwayne Johnson purchased the XFL assets out of bankruptcy. Um, the I think they're serious. Uh, I think that people who think they're going to uh, you know exchange ideas for ticket brochures are uh, 
uh, you know, are kidding themselves. And, and that doesn't mean it's going to happen. What I'm saying is that they're not talking about small stuff. They're not talking about, you know, let's share best practices on, you know, training camp facilities or something like that. They're talking, I think, about the whole enchilada. Now, that doesn't mean that will happen. But I think that is the aim of these talks. And, you know, in terms of when we're going to learn things, I, I'm as curious as you guys are on this one. And as you can probably imagine, the principals involved here um, are not doing a lot of talking. Right? There, are, there are people familiar with the sort of big picture of what's going on that, that I'm able to have conversations with and, and, you know, get a good sense of kind of where this is going. But um, look, and I think the league understand, understandably uh, you know, it was kind of soft peddling the stages is that, you know, when Randy Ambrosi came out and said, we're talking about talking, you know, I, I think it's a little bit, what it this way. If you looked at Dwayne Johnson's Instagram post, the same time Randy Ambrosi was saying, talking about talking, his didn't sound like talking about talking. It sounded like a lot more than talking about talking. And, and I understand that there, the, there's a lot of emotion to attach to a lot of this stuff in Canada and, and who knows, you know, maybe it falls apart. Maybe nothing comes of it. So I, I'm sure the commissioner, and other people in the CFL, you know, don't want to set people up for expectations for something before they know something's going to happen. But I, I, I give the league credit for, you know, coming out and saying, you know, we're entering formal talks, you know, with these parties. Um, and they didn't get any more specific than that. But, uh, you know, like, again, I, I, the reactions to this have kind of been interesting, right? It's like, well, this is nothing. And then, well, they're just going to talk about ideas. And then, you know, over time, I think in the, in the week or so that's passed, there's maybe, you know, sort of an awakening that, that this is a lot more than that. Yeah. And that was the, the first thing that uh, when, when I saw you tweet that, I, I DM'd you right away and I said, is this a merger? Uh, because that's, that's where my head went immediately. Um, do you have a sense of how desperate the two parties are to reach any kind of agreement? Yeah. And by the way, it may not, in a legal term, it may never turn out to be a merger. Right. And that's, that's what I've been led to believe that it, that, um, it, but for all, for the, all intents and purposes, you know, uh, full integration might be more a, <laughs> you know, uh, term, uh, but, um, how desperate are the parties? Well, I mean, let's, let's leave the word desperate aside for a second. And let's talk about their respective situations. The XFL wants to, I think, start a league, uh, that may be global in nature, that would be the second best football league in the world, that would play in the months when the National Football League is not playing. And, you know, in a sport that is the most popular sport for betters, you know, fill that void for six months of the year. Betting, fantasy, props, all those kinds of things, which we're, we're about to move into a legal environment. That's hard to do when you have eight teams. Yeah. Right. That, that's that's very hard. Anybody who's ever, you know, got into any serious betting and things like that. I don't mean serious betting, but even recreational sports betting. You know, a, a four team league doesn't really or an eight team league, four games a week. In the case of the CFL, sometimes with a bye week less than that doesn't really do it. And, and the XFL is, you know, the same dynamic, four games a week. So, you know, and I think they also are attracted by the fact that they can they can add, you know, an entire market in Canada. They can add nine established fan bases, nine mostly modern stadiums. I can't say every one of them, but mostly modern stadiums. Um, and, and it gives them capacity. You know, in the CFL's case, you know, you, you, before we got to the pandemic, you have teams where the CFL's business model isn't working, okay? Doesn't work in Toronto, doesn't work in Vancouver, 
doesn't work or hasn't worked in Montreal for a while. I mean, it, it has in some years in Montreal. If you, if you had a really good team and you had a playoff game that you could put in the big O and put 40,000 in there, you know, you could, you could make some money, but on a cash in cash out basis, the Alouettes lose money. And part of it is their stadium. I mean, they're playing in an outdated stadium as a college stadium. It's not, you know, the, in terms of what you can do with the concessions and suites and things like that, it's not a, it's not a modern facility. So, uh, before COVID, you know, this is an issue. Well, now, you know, you've got all these owners that lost a ton of money last year. Even if we return to play this year, they're all going to lose money again. You have no owner for the BC Lions right now. And, you know, I don't know what prospects you have for an owner until you can really sort of solidify the direction the league is going. Uh, I think you have questions about the sustainability of Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. And I think, you know, it, you can't you can't run a, a seven or six team league, right? I mean, you, you eight's the minimum. And and in you know beyond that, I think you have you know you have teams that, that can get by and that that can make it work, but they're they're never going to thrive the way you know you might want teams in a in a. And I'm talking about you know they're like the, look at the Hamilton Tiger Cats last year, fifteen and three. You know, went to the Grey Cup. You know, really good attendance. Probably made money, right? But but that's a fifteen and three season, and and that organization has done so many things right. Uh, you know, that's one of the best run organizations in the CFL right now, from the coaching staff right through you know admin to administration and all that. So, you know, you add it all up, and the CFL, um, you know, is a league that it's not so much where it is right now; it's where it's heading. And you know, you guys are of the age. I can see on the screen here where you know that I bet all of your buddies are not CFL fans, right? Not at all. Not even yeah. remotely. Not even remotely. Okay. What I've noticed even is the wave demographically that kind of hit Eastern Canada you know, almost a generation ago, roughly a generation ago, kind of the, the 90s. Now, when I talk to people in Western Canada, I hear that. You know, like I talked to, I talked to somebody today who's from Saskatchewan, who lives in Calgary, who's in his early thirties. And he was telling me that none of his friends watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, that there's a real demographic challenge for the Canadian football league that is not new, but it's not getting better. And I think that's the other thing that, that, you know, where the CFL is operating from is how do we flip the demo, right? How do we, how do we get younger people engaged? And, and, and what city are you guys are in? Are you guys in Ottawa? Yeah, yeah, we're both in okay. Ottawa. Like, and that's not the worst example in the league. Like, you guys have been in that stadium, right? Yeah. On game day, at least, that demo is pretty good. It might be, you know, the best in the league. Um, and yet, you know, you still say, like, on a, you know, on a, on a sort of general basis, you, you know, your, your buddies are not CFL fans. But you know, I look at the demo in Ottawa when I'm in a game there. It, it looks, you know, the demo in Hamilton's not bad. The demo in Regina is not bad, but this, the point is that the that the demographics of the Canadian Football League, as you look into the future, are a little scary. And I know a lot of people who think that the pandemic's just going to accelerate that. So, how do you flip the demo? I don't know. Could Dwayne Johnson help you do that? You know, could a could a different league help you do that? I don't know. But but I think those are questions and things that the Canadian Football League is looking at because they know. If they can't reverse the demo, um, you know, and I'm like, I see it every year at the Great Cup, you know, like when I go to the Great Cup, fans fly from all over the country and there's all these parties and it's a good time and all that. But, you know, the parties look like Canada in 1961, right? And it's, it's, that's another challenge this league has, right? It's, you know, we talk about diversity 
you know, you look on the field of the Canadian Football League, there's loads of diversity on the players. I mean, there's players from, you know, all sorts of backgrounds. Uh, uh, Canada's, you know, generation or last generation or generation and a half of immigration is very, very well represented in the uniforms of the Canadian Football League. It's not very well represented in the stands. And that's another. And again, I think that a lot of that has to do with what we're talking about, the general demographics, right? Like if somebody immigrated to Canada 30 years ago, they're not going to become a CFL fan because they were, you know, 40 when they got here. Their kids are gravitating to what their friends are gravitating to, which is not the Canadian Football League. So you've kind of missed a, a, an eth, a, a, you know, a part of the ethnic demographic, which in this country is, you know, it, for harder and harder to be viable and be representative of the country when you don't, when that you don't include, you know, that many people from those communities. So, you know, that's where the two sides come at this thing, you know, um, and we'll see if they can find a, a mutual place in the middle. If you had to guess right now, what, if the two leagues do end up coming together, what would you guess the rule set would look like? Cause people are afraid of losing our field size, our three downs, uh, and then, you know, all, all that fun stuff. Like, where could you see a realistic uh, sticking point for both leagues to make them both come to an agreement? I, I think you could have a hybrid league, um, you know, as long as it doesn't come off as gimmicky. Um, you know, I think you could take – you could basically take the American game and weave some elements of Canadian football into it, you know. And, I'm you know, off the top of my head, you know, could that involve a wider field? It certainly could. Could it involve a longer field? Yes, but there may be limitations to that because of the this fit in some U.S. stadiums. You may have seen something we did on Sports Center last week where we laid the CFL field on top of some XFL fields and kind of went into about row ten behind the end zone. So that's <laughs> that's not going to work. I mean, I, the, the obvious one there would be you know play on a hundred yard field with bigger end zones. Maybe I, I don't know that the hundred and ten yard field makes a, that big a difference. Um, Certainly doesn't, you know, on a, on a certain play-by-play -play basis. It, it, overall, it may, but that would be one that you, you'd probably be willing to give up. Um, you know, th then you get into kind of the next level things. Motion, you know, is that something that Americans are going to accept? Um, you know, I know they did, the, they did a lot of focus groups. The last XFL did um, showing fans CFL football, um, and the, the feedback they got was not positive. You know, so that that's something that to consider um, the return game. There's another one, right? Whether you're going to go to fair catches or you're going to have a way to 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 rule like no yards where you're going to get returns. So there are things you could do. And, and I think the, the clock and the, and the ending of the game and the speed of the game are, are all elements that maybe you want to bring from, from Canada. Uh, so I think there's ways to do that. Uh, you'll notice I didn't mention probably the two most emotional for CFL fans. OK, uh, that would be three downs. And that would be 20 Canadians per roster. Okay. And I don't think in a merged, integrated new league, whatever you want to call it, that either of those things survive. Um, you might be able to do something with the ratio in Canada. I don't know what that would be. Uh, you know, could you do a developmental roster? Then people are going to say, well, that's just, you know, papering it because those guys aren't getting real reps at practice. Um, I, I don't see how in a fully integrated league, the ratio survives. I, I know that I was around for the last time in U S expansion. Uh, there were a couple reasons why the Canadian teams were able to stay competitive, even with a ratio. Um, one of the U S teams, except for one hired coaches who didn't know anything about the CFL. Of course they played CFL rules. 
So the players and the coaches, CFL teams carried a distinct advantage, you know, just in terms of understanding the game. And, you know, as you're probably aware, the one team that did hire CFL experienced coaching staff, you know, went to two straight Grey Cups, won their final 14 games and destroyed a very good Doug Flutie led Calgary Stampede team in the Grey Cup. If the Baltimore Stallions had come back for year number three, um, it would it, you know, have been interesting. Uh, so so I, I, look, I think you're going to have a competitive issue. And that, oh. that sorry, I, I think there are people in the league who don't believe it's critical to the success of the league. And, and it's, and this is a hard one for me guys, because I got a ton of people who become friends who were players in the league. Some of them are still players in the league, people I work with, all of whom operate, you know, occupied those spots as, as Canadians in the CFL. And, and some of them certainly wouldn't have had pro football careers without it. Um, so, you know, so it matters to me. It may matter to you guys. It matters to most of the people I work with. I don't know that it matters to the general sports fan, you know, and one of the, one of the challenges the CFL has is, you know, it's, it's very beholden to its tradition and its history and is very worried about pissing off or losing the traditional fan. And I know that some people think that they're too much, you know, catering to, you know, the 57 year old fan from Western Canada and not, you know, the 15 year old fan you know, from anywhere, if you know what I mean. And, and those, when I use the 57-year-old fan from Western Canada, I'm talking about somebody who's deeply entrenched and devoted to those elements that make Canadian football unique. And I say that the two, the two most emotional are the three downs and the 20 Canadians. And if I was to guess, if I went to sleep and woke up in two years and there's a, you know, a hybrid CFL-XFL league, I don't think either of those elements are part of the league. Yeah, and I mean, as someone who's played uh, football since like 10 years old, and I've gone on rants about this before, about how the CFL talks about demographics and marketing to Canadians, mm -hmm. but we don't see, you know, Canadian quarterback being a big one. I've played some with some really great quarterbacks in Ottawa who've gone on to, to CIS yeah. careers and whatnot. And I've had uh, pleasures of working with some very good coaches. But when you look at the CFL, it's it's american quarterbacks it's american coaching staffs for the most part former players yes but still the the american coach we don't see a lot of guys being promoted from the cis to the cfl i think montreal uh with their was the last team in the last like 15 20 years that i can remember to to hire on from a cis school uh for their gm or coaching staff and you can't really expect people to kind of expect this to be a, a Canadian league or have something to be proud of when two of the biggest positions in football are, are, are American dominant. And that I think that's the problem with the CFL when it comes to attracting new fans. I, I'm going to disagree with you. And I, and I respect your position. Um, and I know a lot of people who share those views, right? Um, like, I don't believe that, you know, if you had more Canadians playing quarterback and if you had more Canadians coaching in the league, the league would have brought a repeal across the country or would be connecting to that younger generation. I don't think that's what that younger generation is making. And look, let's just use U Sports football, guys. Every Saturday, there's U Sports football, or other than this fall, there's U, there's U Sports football going on across this country. Loads of Canadians playing football. Loads of Canadians playing quarterback. Loads of Canadians coaching. Guys, it's the only sport in the world I can think of that has less television exposure now than it did 30 years ago. Yep. Like in yeah. 1991, I was the I was the university sport columnist for the Globe and Mail. 
Okay. And I wrote a column every, every week about university football. And I, every Saturday I would plunk myself down in front of my TV and watch the nationally televised game on TSN. So, because, you know, I, I, and this is pre-internet 1991. I didn't know what these teams looked like. It's hard to write about teams that you've never seen. Right. So, so I would, I would never miss a game when those games were nationally televised. Well, look what's happened in the last 30 years. The, the, the cable sports industry has splintered, right? Like there's everybody's on TV. This sport is somehow less te televised today than it was 30 years ago. And, and I, my point is just saying is if those things that you're talking about really mattered, you sport football would be really popular. And it's not like, I like it, but it's, it's not, it, it can't even get on television. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm a contrarian on the Canadian quarterback issue. I'll warn you. All right. The, if you look at it, there have been U sport or CIS trained head coaches in this league, right? Jim Daly, Greg Marshall, Marcel Belfay, Mike O'Shea, right? All guys that played U sport, played, come, come out of the U sport development system, right? So they don't come with prejudice. How many Canadian quarterbacks have those guys employed? Zero. Now, is that because they have a bias against Canadians? Or is that because they're like other coaches and they want to win games and keep their jobs and feed their families? And, and look, and I get it, right? There's a development element to, to Canadian players when you're coming out of youth sport, that it's tough to go up against a guy who was playing in the SEC the year before and beat him out for a job, right? And we all know instances of guys who've, come, who've been drafted out of youth sport, made a practice roster, developed, and become stars in the league. The problem is doing that with quarterbacks plays with wins and losses <laughs> and gets people fired. And that's why they don't want to do it, right? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a contrarian on, on sort of the Canadian quarterback thing. And I, I just, when I look at what, when I talk to people, um, you know, I hear that about Canadian quarterbacks and Canadian coaches and more of this. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't believe that if you started a league tomorrow that was all Canadians, right? A pro football league, eight cities, every bit of the roster is Canadian. I don't believe that league would succeed. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree on the whole, like you sports not being televised. I've, Went on those rants with with Frankie before about how sports has kind of destroyed, you know, minor or junior sports. Where it's the same thing with the OHL or the CHL. Starting in November, they have one game a week, and outside of that, if you don't have Rogers, you can't watch any of these games. Like if, if it's not Rogers, you can't watch it, and you have to buy into these like the OHL pack and whatnot. And not everyone wants to do that. So I agree that like. You know, Sportsnet either needs to up their game or TSN or another market needs to buy into the youth sports broadcasting uh, rights because it is unfortunate that we have, what, four or five games a, like, during the week on NCAA on a Saturday. We have, like, TSN has five, six different games, but we don't have a single youth sports game. Yeah, and, of it, course, we're not, we're not producing any of those games, right? We're taking those no. feeds straight from the U.S., so the, our costs – there's no production cost for us. If we were to start, and I'm not speaking for TSN here on the production side, believe me, I mean, you just make that clear. Um, but, you know, if we were to start doing new sport football, you know, the cost of putting on those games, look, I'm just going to guess that the reason those games aren't on TV is because the cost of putting them on exceed the, the, the revenue you could generate from the, from the audience that would turn in to watch them. That's, 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 that's straight. And, and that makes me wonder too, Dave, if we want to talk about getting, uh, some of those those U sports players some some exposure. How much of that do you think lays on the CFL's shoulder to get some kind of internet stream? Maybe it's a it's a buy in package where you get some CFL games, you get some U sports games in as well. 
how, like, th can they can they help out with that a little bit? Well, the, the problem with like, and it's like when people say, well, maybe you know, that to survive in the pandemic, go to pay per view. It's like, like if the CFL could make more money doing pay per view than they could with a contract with TSN, they do it, right? Yeah. And you can't you can't suck and blow. You can't have an exclusive contract with TSN and then cut a deal on the side for pay per view as well, right? Like it's we we pay for the content that we get at TSN. And, you know, and then, and the deal is negotiated as an exclusive deal. So you, you can't do that. Um, the, you know, in terms of U-Sport, you know, like I think U-Sport is kind of its own worst enemy sometimes, right? And that, and, and I know that I think that's kind of one of the frustrations of people who've been in business with U-Sport before is they don't really think like a business a lot of times, right? And, and it's different in different schools, right? I don't want to generalize, but, but they don't, they tend not to, you know, they tend to be, Maybe it's truer to the to the you know the student athlete mission. They're putting on an extracurricular activity for students. They're not running a semi professional league. And I know that you know the comparison we always make is in the U.S. where it is well, some could say semi professional, some say <laughs> more than that. Um, but you know they're really the only nation in the world that does it that way, right? We're you know most countries don't have that kind of you know collegiate sports culture. So yeah, I, I mean, look, I think there's things you sports football could do to promote itself. Um, and, and do a better job on that. Um, but I, but I also, I, I, it's, it's hard because the, you know, it's, it, we don't have the traditions. Um, we don't have a national presence. That's the problem that in this, you mentioned junior hockey. The problem is, is that you know, like in the U S if you watch, you know, Penn state play Nebraska, that has regional interest in, in Pennsylvania and Nebraska, but it also has national interest. You know, the guy on the couch in San Diego will watch that. Right. The problem with, with, some of the sports that in this country, it, it doesn't have a national following, right? And it and, and junior hockey is the same, right? And that's why do you think there's a host team in the Memorial Cup? Because this this sport doesn't stand on its own for a national audience. They they have to kind of park it in a place and give people an incentive to go because of that. And it and it really doesn't work in, on television, um, you know, as, as a significant property. In in U sport, you know, you you've got. You know, this is why the Vanier Cup has been kind of a disaster, right? Is that you you get, you know, they used to have it in Toronto all the time. Well, if you have, you know, St. Mary's playing the University of Ottawa in Toronto, like that, that those those teams aren't on television. There's there's no following, there's no national following for either of those teams. There's regional and local followings, but the only people who are gonna show up in the dome are the people who come from, you know, New Brunswick, Sackville, New Brunswick. I think that's where that St. Uh, did I say St. Mary's? Okay, that's, that's Nova Scotia. But um, the people who come from Halifax are going to come from Ottawa. Nobody locally is going to go to that game because there's no national presence. So it's it's a real challenge, you know. And I, and I think it would be great if something that comes out of this deal is something to try to develop the grassroots. You know, I think, you know, we need more people playing football. And, you know, look, football is a growth sport in Europe. You know they're going to pass us if we if we if we don't get going, and it's not on the verge of happening. But you know, right now we're the number two football nation in the world. I think um, we might not be in you know a generation. So I, I hope that whatever comes out of this with the XFL and the CFL might have a component. You know, and, and politically it would be smart if it did, right? That that something to feed into the grassroots, something to whether it's you know feeding into high school whether it's feeling into youth sport something to make i mean and, and you know i you know i know football canada had some of these summits right where they they tried to use this pandemic where everybody stopped playing football to say how do we align right because as you know in the u.s football is aligned friday night lights saturday college football sunday nfl right that's their culture is aligned that way 
And ours really isn't. I mean, we've had, you know, there have been years where you know, the, the schedules, you know, have kind of almost conflicted by the time you get to the playoffs. So um, it's, it's a conundrum for people like us who like this stuff and trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to spread it to, to a broader audience. Um, it, it really, it feels like U Sport has missed an opportunity in the last 25 years as, you know, as opportunities to be on television have opened up. They just haven't been able to to harness you know a popularity of the sport that would, would drive people to invest in it. Right. I think, Shane, um, if you're okay with this, what we'll do is we'll go quickly into that uh, well, the, the union. I cannot remember the name of. Uh, we can have a brief chat about that, and then some of our uh, listeners want to also get some more information about the start of this season. Sure. Uh, so you were all over Twitter, uh, essentially denouncing that. Yeah. What what can you tell us about any kind of information that would have been could have led them on to that assumption, or if that's just completely phony made made up? Well, there's a theory out there um, that you know the CFL holds some free agent camps in the U.S. and there are you know some what they call bird dogs, right? Guys who who work for CFL teams in the U.S. and and sometimes you know other people involved with CFL teams that are at them. You know, and this is just a theory somebody gave me that. Some of these guys, this may have just been spitballing at one of those free agent camps, right? And people hear it and players hear it. And it's like, oh, so-and-so said, he didn't think they're going to play, you know, or this XFL thing happens. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, my, part of my reputation I try to make is that, you know, I won't report stuff that I don't believe. And, you know, I won't throw myself on a grenade for somebody just to protect it, right? Like the Canadian Football League. And so when I come out and say, that doesn't line up with anything that I know to be true. I hope people believe me. That's not just me covering for the league. And I, I've had multiple conversations, both on and off the record, with people at various levels of the CFL and teams in the CFL at the highest levels. Nobody has suggested to me that 2021, you know, is is that that, that that's not the goal. That that isn't that everything isn't being isn't happening to try to make the 2021 season happen. Uh, you know, you guys probably, you guys are in Ottawa, you probably saw Mark Gowdy come out and say 90% chance they're playing, right? And I know Mark, I know Mark for 30 years. Um, he's not going to come out and say that if he doesn't believe that. There's just yeah. no chance, right? Uh, Bill Manning was on TSN radio this afternoon, you know, said he thinks they're going to play. I mean, we know how cautious these guys are to say anything, especially in the pandemic, right? Well, they're all consistently saying they believe they're going to play. They can't tell you when. Just like I can't tell you where I'm going, you know, if, if I was going to go on vacation in July, where, like, you know, like, and, and it's, and part of the problem here is that if you look at the way governments manage this stuff, they won't give you the okay until close to the date that you're, what you're asking for, because, you know, they might, you might ask for something in a month's time and they say, yep, you're good. And then you get to a month's time and there's a new strain or there's an outbreak, whatever, right? Look at the NHL, like, the NHL, you know, teams were, were practicing and, and we were, what, days away from the opening night when the government granted them permission to play in Canada, right? It was like, oh, like it, and the reason for that is they're not going to give it to them five weeks in advance when they don't know what five weeks later is going to look like. So I don't believe there's any truth to that. I, I, I assume that that was somebody spitballing somebody. And the problem with that story coming out like that is you got a lot of players, a lot of people in the league that are nervous, right? Because we just didn't play and they didn't get paid, the players, and we're still in a pandemic. 
And, you know, all it takes is something like that to sort of like freak people out. And so, and again, I, I think the fact that it got condemned by the CFLPA, you know, probably spoke stronger than anything I or the league could say. The fact that the Players Association said, we don't know who these guys are and they don't speak for us. So, you know, uh, that's where I think that came from. Uh, but I, the other thing I should say is, especially with this XFL stuff, if I tweeted or wrote or spoke publicly, everything that I've been hearing in the last eight days, like your heads would be spinning. Like, like, like I've heard a lot of stuff. And, you know, there's probably a ratio of about one out of every 20 things I hear, you know, is I, I, I'm able to verify enough to go to air with, right? If you and I are having a beer, I could tell you all kinds of things I'm hearing, but I won't say it on the podcast because people yeah. are going to go, Dave Naylor said that he's heard they're going to this, right? They're gonna, yeah. so, so there's <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff out there, right? And these guys took one of these things and popped it into a press release and threw it on Twitter, yeah, right? And with, with no real legitimacy to do so. Yeah. And you got to be careful too, because as much as I love CFL news and CFL headlines, they are listening to everything at all times. It's incredible. They will oh, yeah. pick up well, I, anything I, I you know. say instantly. Well, it, and and you know, Bob McKenzie has talked about this a lot at our place. That that you know, when he's done, you know, Bob in his before he went into semi-retirement was doing like you know ten radio interviews in the, across the country every day, right? So he's, it was a lot of time, and there were all kinds of times where people would pick up, you know, something he said. Something he said, out it goes on Twitter, and the full sentence isn't there. It's necessary. So he's always very, you know, cautious about listening to himself being quoted. And and to some degree, I am as well. I, I don't, I haven't had a lot of bad experiences with that, but I am aware that if I, you know, went off and just shared something that I didn't really believe in and put it in the proper context for your podcast, somebody might like pick up the quotes without the full context. And the next thing you know, bang, right? There we yeah. go. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's part of that. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're trying to stay away from being any kind of center of uh, scandals or anything like that that's revolving that's, the CFL. That's good. I'm always not scandalous, and I'm having a glass of red wine on a Thursday night. That's, that's, that's enough. My first, by the way. So one of one of our viewers right now, uh, Sam, has asked uh, if the CFL bubble might be a thing, as uh, was reported by Justin Dunk. Uh, I don't know when that was. I haven't seen that report, but we'll we'll take his word for it. You're talking about another year of bubbling like they yeah. planned to do in Winnipeg. I yeah. have, I do not believe that is under consideration. Now, again, I, I'm not trying to I'm not speaking to Justin's report, and I have a lot of respect for Justin, so I'm not trying to knock his report. I don't know what when and that may have been something that was uh, you know a ways back. I, I don't think they ever really seriously I think that that may have been like kind of plan D, you know, like that that they may have a you know a folder somewhere that says, you know, 2021 bubble, but but I don't everything that I've heard is about return to play in stadiums. And I, you know, and given, uh, given what the economics of the bubble were last summer, uh, they probably wouldn't be any better this summer. So no, I, I don't believe there's any possibility that the Canadian football league plays in a bubble this summer. And Most- yeah, as an extension to that too, um, it sounds like uh, nobody's really expecting things to start on time, but, is an on-time start still something that they, they are aiming for, or have they kind of shifted the focus to you know finding a later date? I think they're staying light on their feet, and and I would think that they know what the probabilities of a of a on-time start are. But you know, my colleague Farhan Lalji uh, reported uh, on the weekend that you know an off the that a 
you know, an on-time start was still not off the table. Um, and again, you, you can't really know. Somebody told me today that they thought we were about a month away from that decision kind of being able to be made. When if you do if you figure it out, right? We're we're at mid-March. Training camps open in mid-May. By mid-April, you probably have a pretty good idea of whether that's possible. So, yeah, I don't. I I think look, but the prevailing opinion and opinion doesn't decide. Opinion in March doesn't decide what we're doing in May. Um, but you know, if everybody I talk to in the league is kind of imagining a a July training camp, August start to the season. That that's been pretty consistent for the last months. I would say that's become slightly more optimistic in the last you know three weeks as the as the vaccine rollout has. I think there I think there are people that were completely dismissive of an on-time start that maybe you're a little more open to it now. Um, you know, I still very much believe that we're not going to start on time. And as well, Colin just written, wrote in for us. Um, do we have any update on, on what getting international players might look like uh, trying to get them into Canada? Like, is it, is it going to be similar to what happened with the NHL or is that just a different scenario? I think it's going to be similar. I mean, are you talking about American players as well, yeah. right? Because they yeah. did get a, a waiver, right? Um, the only thing about that, because I was thinking about that the other day, is um, you got more of them, right? Like if you're going to full training camp, it's 90 guys. And and I, I don't know what an NHL training camp is or what they did if they scaled it back this year. You know, I, I think they may have. And, this, and may, the CFL may. Like who knows, right? I mean, it's bad faith to sign guys and then not bring them to camp, like and release them. That that's not a message you want. That's not something you want to do because that's that feels like bad faith. But um, I, I think the CFL is going to have to go get its own, you know, approval for that, right? Everything's kind of individual on that basis. So I, I remember because I, I took note when the NHL got you know a waiver for how long guys had to with the, entering the country for their the start of their training camps. Um, it would be politically, you'd think, difficult to say okay to the NHL on that and not okay to the CFL. And both leagues essentially are, are doing the same thing, right? The the NHL is essentially the Canadian Hockey League this year, right? Yeah. So, um, so you'd think it's, you know, yeah, it's just about getting in. It's not about crossing the border and coming back in. I, I would imagine so, but there may be things specific to the CFL's proposal that are different than the NHL. And the one that jumps out to me immediately is just purely the numbers of people you're bringing in. And I don't know how that would affect, you know, the way governments would look at things like that. Right. Um, another one that kind of relates to next season, there's been a lot of the, oh, if they, they're not going to be able to play if there's no fans in the stands. Right. Uh, one, is that going to be a possibility, do you think? And then two, if it's not, can they still make things happen? I mean, I've, I've been saying this for a year. I mean, I started writing this last March or April that, the Canadian Football League is a very, 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 very difficult business if you don't have fans in the stands. I mean, I had a team president tell me this spring that he thought 60% of their revenue, you know, was tied in some way to, you know, fans in the stands, game day activations, things like that. That's a lot. Um, I mean, you can do it, right? But you're, you're, ta you're taking enormous losses. And I don't necessarily believe that the owners in this league, having just done what they've come through, are committed to playing without fans in the stands. And the reason I don't believe it is I think if they were, they would have told us. And nobody has come out and said, fans in the stands or no fans in the stands, we're playing. Nobody. Nobody's come out and said that. And I think if they did, if they believed it, they would come out and say it. Uh, you know, the, the closest I've heard anybody say is, well, if we think we can have fans in the stands in you know two or three weeks, maybe we start with fans without the stands and then they come back in. You could do that, but you're risking something there, right? Because we all know that, like, 
you don't control the governments, you don't control the virus. You, you know, what if the government told you that and then they have a second thought or somebody says, or we have an outbreak or, you know, you know what I mean? You just, there's just no guarantees in a pandemic. So I have some skepticism that the season could begin before there is actual approval for fans in the stands. And, you know, I, I think there may be more fans in the stands than we think, you know, if, if the virus, uh, if everybody, you know, we get everybody vaccinated by, by June or July, I think there could be significant numbers of people um, that are going to be in the stands, at least in, in some places. So that would be very good. Um, and then the question is like, yeah, like if we got, if everybody's vaccinated, then vaccinated people should be able to sit next to vaccinated people. And right? even the doctors are saying, if you got two vaccinated people in a room, you don't need to wear a mask, right? Cause you're both vaccinated. Um, but Look, I think we all know that this thing is not going to end with somebody hitting a switch on July 1st, right? Life may be back to normal, but this, but there's going to be elements of this that are going to stay with us for months, maybe even years. So uh, tough to predict, but I, I've always thought it's unlikely we see CFL games with no fans in the stands. And it is, I would say, like highly, highly, highly unlikely we see a CFL season with no fans in the stands like we've seen you know, in, in most of the NFL stadiums and, and certainly in other sports where there's been very, very limited fans in the stands. The, the, the economics of the game football league are different. Yeah. Is, oh. is there like a, a magic number? Like, oh, we got to get to 60% capacity or we got to get to 50 or is it just kind of a case-by-case case basis? I think that's what this, so part of what they've been working through is what's the number, you know? I know that I think teams were asked, you know, at what point would their economics be better to play than not play? Right. Like at what point does how open does your stadium have to do be before it makes more economic sense for you to be playing than not playing? Because that's really where you're going to get the incentive to play. Right. Like once it once you can do better financially by playing than not playing, that's where you're not going to have to twist anybody's arm to play. Um, but I don't know that there's that they've arrived at that. If they have, I'm not aware of it. But there may be. I think they were working through that kind of thing, you know, over the past several weeks and months. So they may have a number where they say, hey. You know, our owners are comfortable playing the season once we get approval for X. You know, I wouldn't think it's as high as 60. I would think it's something less than that. But that's just my, you know, my instincts. Right. Shane, do you got anything else about uh, next season? Uh, not necessarily about next season, but the Edmonton football team. Is there anything you can tell us about the naming process when they're expected to announce a name? I know they're doing the fan voting. Any information? You know what? Uh, Farhan Lalji's kind of been our Eskimo name insider. I've, I've kind of, I've kind of left that one to him a little bit. Um, just you know, on some of the issues that we that that the league faces, we both kind of pile in on, and others we say, "You take that one, and I'll worry about this one." And and he's been kind of the guy all over the the Edmonton uh, nickname thing. Uh, so I don't really know. Um, I, I, for me personally, that's just one. When they've got one, they'll tell us. You know. <laughs> um, but um, but so I, I really I would could give you very little insight on that one. Okay, and last thing for me, Toronto Argos under or over the cap hit right now? I think they're under. You know, um, really. Well, the the Moamba deal was like they got him at an absolute bargain, right? Because you know he he wanted to come home. Hinak Moamba has probably made more money than any non quarterback in the league over the last ten years, right? And certainly. You know, other than Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he's probably made more money than any U-sport football player in the last 10 years, right? Because he had a year in the NFL. He's signed a number of big contracts in the CFL. He's been a very good businessman. Um, and this time, he, he money was not his priority. Not that money is always his priority otherwise. Um, but, but in this case, I, I think the pandemic um, 
you know, wanting to be home. He's got two young daughters. He lost his mother-in-law to COVID. Uh, like she lived with the family. Um, so there's been some trauma in that family, um, you know, over the last year. And, and I'm not, I wouldn't be talking about this if he hadn't talked about it publicly. I just want to make that clear. I would not be talking about this, but, but he's opened up about it uh, to me and to others. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, this is, he's a guy who is, you know, really, really about being in community. Uh, Pinball Clemens is a mentor to him. Uh, there were just so many things that lined up for him to be a Toronto Argonaut. He's a Mississauga kid. That's where he grew up. Um, just so many things lined up for him to be a Toronto Argonaut that, you know, what the Argonauts had left in their budget was, you know, what they had left in their budget. And, you know, that just wasn't his priority right now was trying to, you know, score the best deal he could. So I know, you know, when you add a guy who's, you know, made, you know, a top of the league kind of salary, uh, most of his career. And it's not like he's like over the hill. He was the outstanding Canadian in the league the last time they played. Right. So that a lot of people look at that and say, well, how the hell can they be, uh, you know, be adding him at this stage? Um, so I don't think, I don't think, and, you know, signing the NFL guys, most of those NFL guys, you know, come for the same entry level salary that, that everybody does. Right. I mean, they're guys who, who don't, even though like a Martavis Bryant, they, those guys, they run at options, right. They come to the Canadian football league because they don't have options in the NFL. And, and sometimes for those guys, the money isn't the issue because if you if they've made five or six years of NFL salary, they don't have to go make two fifty in the CFL, right? Because yeah. it's not it's again it's not their priority. So um, look, are they going to have to cut some people at camp? Maybe you know I. I but again, I, I think they signed a lot of guys who are big names but aren't necessarily coming here with top of the mark salaries. I would I would bet that most of the guys that they've signed, if not all of the guys they've signed, are not making what they have made at the peaks of their careers. And CFL fans are not going to like that because people are afraid of the Toronto Argos as they stand right now. Yeah. I mean, they, like you look at it, I mean, the two nominees for outstanding Canadian in the league last year were or last year, last season were, uh, I've always correct myself when we tape heads. Don't say last year. Don't say last year. Uh, it's, uh, is, you know, we're Cam Judge and Enoch Moamba, right? And they're going to line up. I mean, you know, linebacker tends to be an American position. And, and here you got like not one, but two Canadian studs that are going to be playing that position. Yeah. You know, you got the guy who was the CFL sack leader, you know, uh, lining up. Now, again, he's 37 and, you know, who knows how not playing a year is going to affect Charleston Hughes. Um, yeah. And you look at what they've done offensively, you know, that when when they're adding, I mean, you look at how good players like Juwan Breskison and Eric Rogers were in Calgary. Right. And they're going to have those guys now and they're reuniting him with Nick Arbuckle. Right. Who's played with those guys. So it's. Um, you know, there's, there's, um, yeah, there's, there's, the Argonauts are a pretty intriguing team. No question. I agree. Um, yeah. Don't let Charleston Hughes hear you say that. And uh, he's told us that we should believe in him. So I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and believe in him. Historically, Charleston and I have been good. Like, <laughs> so I mean, I haven't ever talked about his age with him before. That's never been the subject. But I mean, hey, look, I, I just know that when you're 37, you're playing a position and playing a sport that not many guys play at. But heck, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl at what, almost 43. Or yep. forty-two and a half. So, I believe so. Um, maybe we shouldn't be factoring age. And certainly, you know, in Charleston's case, the last time he was on a football field, uh, he was not showing signs of age. Yeah, uh, we uh, held you for quite a while. Uh, one last one yep. uh, from the listeners, um, Sam. The Halifax deal had seemed to fall apart at some point. Is there still hope that the CFL can get that done, or is it is it gone now? Yeah, I wouldn't say fell apart. I'd say like so much in the pandemic hit the pause button. Right. I mean, they had hopes to get 
everything done by the time they played that game that was scheduled for last summer in Halifax. That may have been optimistic. I think the group has been a little bit kind of optimistic in timelines all the way along. So that, that may not have happened in time, but, but it wasn't like the, you know, the, the, the tide turned before the pandemic did. It did, you know, they, they had some momentum. They got $20 million in funding conditional on there being a, they, it was a new location, right? The city council liked the idea, but they didn't like the location. So they basically said, find the location that we like, and we'll give you $20 million for your stadium. And there were, there were still discussions that had to happen with the province and things like that. You know, I, it's going to be very hard for that to happen until the Canadian Football League proves it's sustainable right now, right? Like, you know the topics we've been talking about on this podcast. If you were a city councillor in Halifax and you listen to that, would you be saying, yeah, like, let's, you know what I mean? Like, and you can't hide that from people, nor should you hide that from people. So uh, I think that's probably something that we need to see the CFL get up and running in whatever form that is, nine teams, 18 teams, new league, same league. And once it proves that it's sustainable and it's viable, um, then I think you could see interest return in, in Halifax. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I hope I get to see in my lifetime. Um, I think there was real momentum and, and sincerity behind all the efforts that went in there. But, uh, you know, the, the, the league's got, a, you know, got one team on the other coast that doesn't have an owner right now. And that's kind of probably a bigger priority than, you know, landing a new team in Halifax. Yeah. Especially now. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of crazy how lucky we were with Montreal buying the, the new Montreal Alouette owners buying when they did. Well, I mean, I always say that when you think of that Randy Ambrosia, the great cop um, in Calgary, gave that address, the State of the League address on Friday. At that time, the would-be owner of the Montreal Alouettes had not come forward. Think of that, right? Because it was at a great cup party that the topic came up. And like a month later, he owned the Owls. So that means on the Friday when the commissioner's talking about, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, like he's got to talk. Hey, we feel optimistic. We're going to get owners. The, the guy who eventually bought the team wasn't even, you know, in, in the conversation at that point. So, yeah, I do think they got lucky. But you see, this is and this is one of the things and like I've been around long enough to see this. The, 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 what this league has to get out of, has to get out of is the idea that you rely on philanthropy and the goodwill of owners to throw money at teams because it's an emotional investment. And then eventually they get older and they get tired of doing it. And their kids say they don't want them to do it anymore. And, or they pass away like in cases in David Braley. And, and then you got a problem, right? Like that, that what happened in Montreal, you know, them throwing the keys on the desk and running out the back door that has happened. Well, you guys, you guys live in Ottawa, you know, yeah. <laughs> You're, you're young guys. You may not remember the '80s, but that was. Thank like, God, I don't. That, that yeah, sounds like a nightmare. That was, no, I was. I was like every two years in Ottawa. Like you know, like boom. Here's the keys. I'm out of here, and you, like that destroys the brand. That destroys franchise value. That 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 stuff is toxic, yeah. and and somehow this league has to get out of that kind of thing happening. I um, yeah. yeah. It's it's tough to see. Like just a few years ago, we saw that story about how um, repo agents were headed into Olympic Stadium to seize all of the yeah. Alouettes' assets. Like, which turned out, I think, not to be true. Yeah, but but, but it, it was but, very believable. But it was believable. Yeah, no, and and there have been like stuff like that in the history uh, in the history of the CFL. You know, guys getting paid, you know, with their checks and and you know, running to the bank. You know, before the days of direct deposit and stuff like that. Right? It was like because you wanted to make sure that 
if, if there wasn't enough to cover everybody's check that you make sure you were at the front of the line of the bank to get yours cashed. And, and, and those are just things that, you know, I'll be, I'll be very interested to see what kind of ownership structure comes out if there is a new league, because I tend to think it may be one where maybe everybody owns a part of the whole, as opposed to owning, at least in an economic sense, their own franchise, right? You'll still operate your own franchise and run it, but you may perhaps own part of a whole so that, you know, if you, your team has a bad year, you know, you're not in trouble or that you know, basically it's, it's more of a shared pool and everybody owns a piece of it. And I don't, I'm just spitballing. I don't know if that would happen. I'm just, I'm just looking for ways to try to avoid, you know, the scenarios that we've seen so often in the CFL. And, and frankly, that, you know, happened the last time we were playing in Montreal and, uh, you know, our, you know, BC, we believe that David Braley's estate has left enough to cover at least some football, but we don't know whether that's COVID football or regular football or how long that lasts. But, um, you know, it's, it's another definite spot of concern for the league right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can, uh, we can get through all that and make this league sustainable for another hundred years. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I hope so. And, but it, you know, they, you know, even we talked about the demographic challenge, right? I think that, I think the pandemic's going to accelerate that a little bit. So it's, um, you know, and it's it's really, you know, so much of of making it last for another hundred years is going to come down to the ability to for this league in whatever form it takes to be able to connect with people your age and yeah. younger than you guys, because you can't be the Museum of Canadian Football. And as much as it sucks to hear, uh, as soon as that my my buddies found out that the the CFO might be merging with the XFL, going to four down football text messages constantly about what is what what is going on what what might this be uh and so if people are interested more in four down football and that means football survives in this country i'm for it well and and i that's the way i'm looking at this and and i'm sure some people are kind of surprised to hear me say that some of the things i've said given my history in this league and my love for it and my association but you know it's like i'll give you an example like when i was doing hosting radio in toronto okay if it had been what I wanted to talk about, we would have talked about CFL on the radio and we would have talked way less about hockey that frankly, I'm not that gaga about. Like I don't hate hockey, but I'm not a Canadian hockey crazy. But you know what we talked about on my show? Hockey. Why? Because the show wasn't for me. It was for the, it was for the listeners, right? And we didn't talk CFL. And it's kind of the same thing on this stuff, right? Like it's not about what I want. It's not about what I like. It's about what do I think is going to make this league sustainable? Right. And what do I think is going to make this league last? And it, it doesn't matter if I like three downs or 20 Canadians or any of these other elements, if 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 that's going to be too niche to carry the league. And like, let's just use I'll, I'll wrap up here. I'll use the three down, four down example thing. I was thinking about this the other day. OK, what percentage of people do you think in the United States prefer four downs over three? A hundred? Probably somewhere close to Probably. it for sure. So, yeah, because like 98% of the country doesn't even know three downs exists, right? <laughs> Not quite. You know what I'm getting at. But, but it's, it's, it's a high, high, high number of people that prefer four downs over three. What do you think it is in this country? Not among CFL fans, among all sports fans. What do you think it is? I'd wager and say it's still probably pretty close to 90. So I, I was going to go much lower. I was going to go much slower because I, I do think there's, you know, again, your, your guy's age, 90. Yes. But if you put if all more. fans in, okay. Or if not more. So if, if you let's, let's, let's be, let's be really fair here and error on the side of giving three down football. It's due. And let's say it's half, let's say it's 50, 50 in Canada. Okay. Which I don't think it is probably, 
and among your age, it's it's probably nowhere close to that. Yeah. But let's say in Canada, half the people prefer four down football and half the people prefer three down football. And in the U.S., 100 percent of the people prefer four down football. How could you launch a North American football league with three down football? Like just being cold hard about it as a marketer. Why would you do that? Like if I was making soda and I knew that 75 percent of my market like grape soda and 25 percent like orange, would I start would I start marketing orange soda or grape? You know, it's just that simple. And, and when you actually get down to it. So I've, when you take the emotion out of it, the four down thing, I think, is pretty, is pretty logical. Now, I, I totally get the guy who jumps on Twitter and says, you know, over my dead body, you know, they'll accept our rules or we ain't going. Well, I hope he's hoping I hope he's willing to pay the bills for the league. Um, you know, that's that's the issue. But it, when you actually break this, some of this stuff down practically, uh, yeah, it's not about what I want. Or what you want it's what about what we now we can do we get into a different debate when we ask you know well is that going to work uh you know does that really you know are you giving up what you've always had for something that's unattainable and the one thing i would say about this and and is that if there are cfl fans out there who are concerned about the league getting into bed with a you know a format and i think these guys are different in a lot of ways but a alternative spring football league and saying, I'm nervous about that because that's never worked in the United States. I can't tell them they're wrong and I can't tell them they shouldn't be nervous. Like it's, it's not like this is a no risk road. This is a, there's a lot of risk in this road, but I think what people aren't paying enough attention to is there's a lot of risk in the status quo. And there may in fact be more risk in the status quo than there is on this other road. But even though, even though I, I'm kind of behind this idea and I, and I think I'd, I'd like to see it happen, um, I'm not pretending that this isn't risky <laughs> or that, this, that, that you know, people don't have reason to be concerned. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to like, my friends and the people who, who I know like football, and they've asked me about the CFL because everyone knows that I'm a huge CFL person, my, my first thing is just go to a game. You're never going to yeah. compete with the, the marketing side of an NFL game when it comes to production value on the TV. But if you go yeah. to a CFL game, you're going to fall in love with it. And everyone I've talked to about it who've ended up going to CFL games, they've sure. loved it and have ended up going back to mall. I know two people who got season tickets for the Red Blacks last year because they went to a couple of games in 2019, even though they sucked, they enjoyed <laughs> themselves. Bad. Like they enjoyed the atmosphere, they enjoyed the people there, yeah. and they're like, "Man, this is really good football." So I think if you can well, get people at the games and butts in the seats, and that's been the biggest problem, is being able to to get people there yeah. because you, it's all about marketing. Well, it's and it's you know it's a live experience, right? That's that's the that's what you're selling. That's what you've got to sell. And and you're right. Like I and look, most people in Canada who love the NFL have never been to an NFL game. It's purely a television experience, right? And yep. and it's actually when you go to a game live, it's 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 actually you know, it's um like it's not like an NBA game. It's actually pretty dressed down. It you know it, it it's not you know the crowd is great, but they don't you know it's not explosion and music through the whole. It's not like that. It it really is kind of the 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 game that speaks for itself. But but I agree. And 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 again, that's the challenge in places like Toronto and BC, right? Like how do you how do you get that fan to to become hooked on the product when they go to BMO Field on a beautiful night and there's thirteen thousand people, that's hard. That's really hard. And that and I don't know how you get past that right now, at least in this format. Yeah, and I mean, if if American rules is what they think is going to electrify the Toronto and the BC and the Montreal markets, 
it, I think it's worth a shot because I don't, I don't think there's a CFL without those three markets. No, there isn't. Well, I, there, there would be like a semi-pro version of the CFL, right? Yeah. Because and again, I don't speak for TSN, but I would say that the value of a television contract without those three markets would be, uh, you know, again, I have no degree in economics, but I would suggest that that would probably, you know, affect that, right? So, well, considering, no, considering the NFL is going to get $40 million a game and the CFL gets that per season, yeah. I can't imagine that the CFL would be looking very valuable if those yeah. three teams cease to exist. Yeah, and I, and I don't think it's so much even that four-down football um, on its own, you know, would, would necessarily change things. It's just if you have to go to four-down football to change the business model, you know, are you willing to do that? And, and but, but as you say, for some people, it may be more appealing anyway, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I even noticed that um, we did a lot of interviews this fall with the uh, Canadians who are playing NCAA football. You know, these are kids who have devoted their lives to football. They are four-down kids. And not just like because they're playing in the NCAA, they grew up four down kids in this country. They do not speak three down football. It's not their language. And again, that was a bit of an epiphany for me to, to think that, well, you know, maybe we're speaking to them in the wrong language. Yeah. Well, Dave, you have been fantastic as always uh, with us. And uh, yeah, we kind of sit on our hands here a little bit and hope to God that this works out for everybody. And CFL's back on the field as soon as possible, and this goes the way everybody wants it to go, I think, which, uh, who knows, at this point. Well, at the, at the very least, as I told some of my colleagues last week, I said, guys, our lives just got a whole lot more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I, I, again, I, and I, look, I, I don't mean to be flippant about the existence of the CFL because it is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, um, you know, few in this country more than mine. Um, but if the world's going to change, I'll change with it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really got much of a choice. Either you uh, uh, jump uh, on board or you're jumping. Exactly, exactly. Jump off. Yeah. Good stuff, so. guys. Uh, thanks for having me. And this is fun. And we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right. Thank you very much for coming on. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. See ya. Oh, there you guys have it. There's Dave Naylor from TSN. Man, he's just a wonderful interview. He, he just he does all the work for us. That's great. <laughs> Uh, holy smokes. It's a lot of information to digest. The next little while is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, I mean, hey, for, for Dave Naylor to give us a full hour, was not expecting that. I thought it was only going to be about half hour. Uh, but honestly, that was a great, great content for for us, for, for the listeners. We're gonna have to get Farhan on the show as well at some point in the like probably the next like week or so. Yeah, uh, to back. see what see what he's hearing and and get some information on the the draft and and whatnot. But I think I think we heard everything we already have heard and but a little bit more clarity. And that's that's the thing that I I, I think it's cool to get that extra uh, viewpoint in right of, of the. Look, I love the CFL and it's it's near and dear to my heart. But if we have to go to four down football to save it, I'm all for it. And I think that that lines up with what I've been saying. Uh, because above all else, I just want to go to Red Blacks game. I don't care what the rule set is. I, uh, to be honest, I really don't. I love yeah, the I mean, CFL I, and I love the ratio and I love the the all the rules that we have, all the things that make our football quirky. But I would so much rather switch to American rules and not play football, period. If if they can have American rules but still make it fun, sure, I'm all about it. But my, my worry again, like I said earlier in the episode, I just don't want it to be American rules 
and be a bore of a game to watch. Yeah. No, I, agree. I don't want I don't want a four hour game that used to be three hours. I don't want to add an extra hour just because of commercials. I understand that's how they make their money. Honestly, I do. But you know, if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna spend four hours, I'd rather just go to a game. And if that means I'm only watching the Red Blacks because I can't stand watching the other four ga- three games on, you're you're gonna lose viewership more than you're gonna gain it. Because I know plenty of people that would literally just watch. You know, you watch the Thursday game, you watch the Friday night. Sometimes it's a Friday night doubleheader, and then you watch the Saturday or Saturday doubleheader. Some players, some people just are only going to watch their team, and that's it because yep. they can't devote eight hours of their day to football. But again, like it would be, it would be really cool to be able to go. Oh, hey Shane, you want to go on a road trip? Let's go. Let's go down to uh, to New York City for a week and and go to a Red Blacks game playing against New York. I oh, think 100%. that kind of stuff would be cool. 100%. So. I just I, – I would be okay with the field size, honestly, to a certain extent. I just don't know how you – if you haven't even tried – you're in the 90s expansion, and it was horrible because you went to horrible places. If you were to go to New York, Oakland, St. Louis, San Diego with three-down football, I think you could make it work. And if they're not even willing to try it, I'm a little bit disappointed in that. I think that's that's where we're going to have to kind of wait and see. Uh, I mean, we don't know any more than we did last week, uh, even though, you know, Dave gave us some some wonderful insight about where things stand. Um, it, you know, I think we'll, we'll get what we get. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm willing to support anything that they think is going to help this football league survive. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, though, we also have like a year, year and a half before this actually takes place. But I mean, we might we might know what happened. Like, bottom line is, I think this CFL season is going to be played as normal. Let's let's you know just kind of yeah. Nothing, nothing's going to be changed this year. If anything, it's going to be twenty twenty two, right? Yeah. If any, if anything, and then you know, hopefully, well, again, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm not I'm not even going to suggest what it might be anymore because we're running out of who time. Who knows? Who uh, who knows what's going to be? And honestly, I I'm going to be nervous about it. I'm going to be excited about it. As long as we get to football in 2021, I'll be happy. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. It was a pleasure. Uh, everyone who viewed, everyone who's tuned in, uh, thank you all for that. Remember, share the video, like the video, comment on the video on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube page, follow us at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at uh, 13th Man Pod, uh, myself at SR Podcaster 97, Frankie HPR underscore Frankie 13. Hey, you got it right this time. Yeah, I remember I said. Um, and I hope you all stay safe. Have a wonderful one. And we'll be back here next week with a brand new episode of the 13th Man Pod. And as always, if there's things you want to discuss, you can ask them in the comment section during the live stream or on Twitter. Just send us a message at us on at, at us on Twitter with your questions, and we will make sure it gets into the show. And if we miss it, we apologize, and we can get back to it uh, on the next episode as well. Stay safe, and we'll catch you then.